Welcome to the Net Ministries podcast. And now your hosts, Matt Reiswig and Dan Driver. Hello and welcome to the Net Ministries podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Here at Net Ministries, we've noticed that a vast majority of young Catholics are disconnecting from the church. So in response to that, we send teams of young adults across the country to spread the gospel to combat that. And we also do podcasts as well, which, I mean, our mission statement is to challenge young Catholics to love Christ and embrace the life of the church. But we want to challenge you to do the same and help all of those people who are going uh, astray. Yeah, that's right. Dan, how are you? I'm pretty well. Anything exciting going on? Exciting in life right now is the fact that my wife is pregnant and it's going to be December 24th that the baby's going to be due. I think the baby's going to come on Christmas, but regardless, I've always thought when I've seen pregnant women during Advent, like, do meditate on that. So I'm excited to kind of go into the meditation of, um, you know, the birth of Christ with the birth of our baby. Oh, Dan, that's deep. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got deep real quick. That's good. You know what I'm thinking about? Survivor. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm thinking about who's going to get voted off on Survivor this week. We uh, we started an office pool. And so I don't know, all the listeners, I don't know how familiar you are with Survivor, but uh, I took all the contestants on the show and gave each one to a different staff member. And then on Thursdays, we're watching... Uh, the show together, and it's been a lot of fun. It has, and I, I have, I think her name's Gabby. She's like a self-proclaimed nerd, yeah. Um, which I'm kind of a self-proclaimed geek, or something. So I kind of relate to her. I wonder, if, was that purposeful? Did you like? She's like, she's nerdy. Dan can be nerdy. So I don't know, Dan. I don't know if I think geek right away. It's like ex rock star geek. How does, <laughs> how does that work? Rock stars are geeks about their guitars. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So anyway, so that's been fun uh, here on staff, but we're really excited about our podcast today. This is a corker, as we'd say in England. What does that mean? It means that yeah, we can, you want to like we... pop like out a champagne cork or something. Because it's, it's like, so good. It's so good. It's that legit. You're popping bottles. Y- yeah, but we don't encourage that. So um, it's about burnout. So if you found yourself in a ministry situation or actually we even discuss like not only ministry situations where you may be burnt out but um just jobs where you don't have enough time to pray and you're finding that you're just in the faith kind of lacking or something so ryan o'hara who um works for an organization called saint paul's outreach and he was on a previous podcast about Stranger Things. And he was on the Stranger Things podcast, and he has a great voice. One of those, like, radio voices you can listen to very deep. He is um, giving us, uh, like, just an overview of a blog post that he did about burnout. He's got a lot to say from personal experience and from um, some good biblical principles. Nice. Well, great. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Let's jump right into it. Here's Dan with Ryan O'Hara. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan O'Hara. 
Thanks, Dan. Great to be here. It's great to have you here. I, you know, when I came to America, it was, uh, how long ago was it? Maybe almost 10 years ago, which is amazing for me to believe yeah. that it was that long ago. Um, I remember you from Net Ministries training, which takes place in August, and we have like 180 young people being trained for mission. And you were a guest speaker, and you were giving a talk. And I remember one element of the talk, and I can't fully remember the rest of it, but I remember having an impact on it. So hopefully we can pull that out right now. But you had shown this video of the illusionist Darren Brown. And basically he had got these marketing guru people into a taxi and led them to a place to come up with some kind of marketing design for something. Right. Um, And taxidermy. Taxidermy. That was (laughs) taxidermy. And he managed to implant in their brain somehow, incept them with the pretty much the exact image that, he wanted as a part of the logo. Right. Um, and he did it as a way to show, like, marketing companies, this is just how they work right. with with us, the consumers, mm-hmm. to draw us to products and uh, in, incept us with ideas that weren't there before. Right. What was the context of that talk? Remind me. Yeah, so the... the um, well, I've, I've used it in a couple of different talks. Um, how I've used it more frequently is that what we look at impacts us. Everything that we see, um, for better or worse, is stays with us. So they didn't even know, they weren't conscious of the things that they were seeing that he wanted them to see, but they saw it, and they saw it in such a way that they were able to reproduce it kind of on call. And, and so I, I've, used that, I've used that more in the, the sense of the impact of media mm. in our lives mm. and um, that we, we don't often uh, realize the, 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 the power of everything that we look at or consume, mm. you know, from audio or video or whatever. Um, but I think it was it was also I think to point to the state of the culture and and kind of the kind of the way in which um, the world around us I, I, my sense is is the world around us would is evangelizing us uh, and and I don't think we realize that truth. So like evangelizing us to one way or the other, right? To, know, a, to, to a something. certain to a certain worldview, whatever that may be, to a yeah. certain product, or but but more in the sense of when we're we we can't help but be impacted by by what we see and interact with. Um, th- th- these are not neutral um, neutral players out there, yeah. you know. And that's so true. Otherwise, the movie Inception couldn't exist really if if you we can't get these sort of simple subtle ideas into people and and help transform them that's right um it's kind of scary to think that this is a slow process that happens to us like whether we realize it or not uh, in this in this culture um that video stayed with me actually um but what really stayed with me was your presence as an evangelist you were up there and i saw a man who was seeking after the Lord with his whole heart. And I saw a man that I wanted to imitate because you were zealous or are zealous. You had this fire about you. You had this certainty. Um, and that flame, you know, I've, I've known you on and off for, for 10 years. That flame hasn't gone out from my perspective. Mm. 
But today we're talking about burnout. Right. Um, so it, it's, for, for me, I, I look at you and I'm like, well, what can this guy who seems so zealous and on fire have to say um, about burnout? <laughs> I have a few things to say, but, but more, and, and unfortunately, mostly from, from personal experience. And uh, after many, many years in ministry, uh, hitting, hitting a low spot. Yeah, it, it's somewhat of an, en- an enigma to me because I, I mean, I go through moments of just ex- like down, feeling down, mm-hmm. or in, in my work, there'll be times when um, I feel like everything's out of control and I'm just running this sort of race that I can't like ever win. And I know that my life's out of whack and I know that something's not right with my relationship with the Lord. And then I'll go through times of the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I think of burnout, like maybe that's burnout, but I, think of burnout i think of the classic situation of a youth minister going to a parish for one or maybe two years Mm -hmm. and then just disappearing right um is it is that what burnout is is it more than that is it what what is burnout you know i don't i don't have like a a working you know definition um but the the experience of of being uh, at the end, what, what I experienced it as was being at the end of my natural rope and um, not, not relating to, to God. So in a ministry setting, not relating to God in the right way, not relating to and thinking about ministry in the right way, and not relating to myself in the right way. And when, when my relationship with God, or my relationship with work, and my relationship with myself uh, in all areas of my life, were sort of out of whack; that they weren't functioning in a way that God designed me to be and to serve. Um, over time, it wasn't all at once. It wasn't like I had. So this was. So I, I would say I experienced burnout actually at the 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 first the first time I actually took a break. It was almost like almost like a sabbatical. That I it wasn't a sabbatical, but I because of some some family dynamics, um, I decided my wife and I decided that I would take a step back from full time ministry. And what that meant was I went down to part time ministry, and the first three or four months of that were just an absolute blessing and 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 it was the most fruitful and kind of productive time in my family life and in my my personal life things were just kind of exploding there was this newfound freedom and and margin but pretty quickly um that precipitated um an opportunity to look more deeply as to what patterns and habits i had found myself in so i had been in ministry for at that point, about sixteen years full time, and these were not these were not um, these were sort of hard charging years. Uh, these were grueling years of full time ministry, and not just like you know uh, maybe a typical. Some of it was more like a typical youth ministry or campus ministry job, but seven or eight of those years were living in community twenty four seven with you know twenty five young adults a year and just being completely immersed in that. And then we became foster parents and 
adoptive parents, you know, in a span of a, a few years. And then we moved across the country and took on, you know, more responsibility. But family challenges were growing and ministry challenges were growing. And, and I felt like I was on top of it until I decided to take a break. And then I realized how far I had fallen from spiritual health, emotional health, um, physical health. And so when I was, when I, I just, I, I experienced burnout as, as kind of the combination of the, your lowest points physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And I just didn't, I, I realized I didn't have anything left in those, in those areas. I was overweight, hadn't exercised in years. My diet was a wreck. Um, things in my, my family were out of order. My wife was sort of in charge of, of everything. And I'm kind of like assistant mom, you know, I wasn't dad. And, um, my identity was more and more wrapped up with, with my work rather than who I was as a son of God. So that's a long way of, of describing what I think burnout is, is kind of the confluence of, of being at the bottom spiritually, emotionally, physically, and, in, in, and primarily in relationship to the kind of pace you're going about you know, in, in your life hmm. as it relates to, to ministry in particular. I'm just amazed that like 16 years of full-time ministry and actually something that you were, you know, just as you're talking, um, when I think of burnout, I think I only ever heard of the phrase burnout in a Christian setting, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So, so I think of it as, as primarily a Christian thing. And as I'm listening to you speak, I'm almost getting angry within myself that the ministry has done this to you, but that's yeah. probably a wrong way of thinking. About oh, absolutely. It. Absolutely. And, and I, I think even by extension, you know, has God done this to me, you know? Um, no, uh, I've done this to me. It's, it's a collection of, no, I didn't decide. Now, some, some people go, you know what, I, I, I'm going to go as hard as I can and I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, I mean, there's sometimes there's that spirit and sometimes in ministry, there's, um, a sprint mentality and there are seasons I think where we really do need to, to sprint. But for me, I experienced early on a lifelong call to ministry so then that automatically, and, and that was unique. Not everyone experiences that kind of mm-hmm. lifelong call, in my case, to, to lay ministry. So how you run a marathon is different than how you run a sprint. But I think sometimes people mistake and kind of flip-flop the two. You know, They presume that all of ministry, like ministry equals sprint. Mm. And, and I think that's the first idea that people get wrong about ministry, um, that it that it it it, and I and I think they they do that because the the work is endless. There there we we will never get it all done because we're dealing with we're dealing with uh, infinite realities in people's lives. You know, there's there's not ever a time where you feel like, well, these one hundred people, well, these twenty five people have gone absolutely as deeply in Christ as they can. So now I just need to worry about these 75 or, or whatever. No, it's a, there's this infinite growth that's possible, both in terms of numbers of people and depth within people. So the, the work will never be done. And so I, I think we, 
we haven't given ourselves permission to stop. And I, I think that's one of the first things that starts happening is that we, we see our work as our life hmm. and that our, our work is our life uh, versus our, our – so, so there's the subtle difference between um, your life – like what the Lord said to me. So this comes from this place, Dan, where in 1996 the Lord said to me very clearly, your life will be ministry – but what he didn't say was, ministry will be your life. Hmm. And, that, and I think a lot of people relate to the calling that uh, not just my life will, will be a mission, you know, as Pope Francis likes to talk about, he is a mission on this earth, uh, that my life would, would have a mission. It's that mission is my life. And, and there's a subtle difference there that I think is helpful to try to draw out. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see that. Um, so, you know, with me not hearing burnout outside of a Christian context before, mm-hmm. is, it, is it something that you've seen people experience that um, aren't in ministry? Um, is, is that even possible in your opinion? Well, I, I would think, I would think um, what we see is, is people over-relating. I would think it typically would, would have to do with over-relating to, to work in general. That I think in in America, um, we we value um, the contribution or the, the the part of life that is you know hard hard work is is one of America's greatest values, um, and being successful and moving up the ladder. Um, so because because that's uh, you know. That that is such a supreme value. Um, I think in in ministry we just sort of ramp that up, hmm. in part because the, the our mission is is significant, is e- extremely meaningful. But I think there's plenty of examples all over the place of people relating to their work in an unhealthy way as their life, rather than one part of their life. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. Um... I, you know, I, I came across your article that you had written on your website, um, and it's called Want to Lose at Ministry, Five Recipes for Burnout. And I loved how you took some of Pope Francis's words from Evangelii Gaudium and kind of just identified these sort of five areas that we can tend to um, that can lead to burnout. And, and, and I'm guessing through your own reflection, you saw yourself in these areas and and you've you've provided this great resource um for others to um maybe examine themselves and i know as we've been speaking as well you said um that you found some things to be helpful to kind of combat these as well so maybe we could go through some of uh these words of pope francis yeah. and your, your your take on them and just have a discussion yeah that'd be great let's do that awesome uh so what the one the first one which you have written down you kind of alluded to it just a minute ago um, in regards to burnout, you know, Pope Francis says, some fall into it because they throw themselves into unrealistic projects and are not satisfied simply to do what they reasonably can. Right. So I think part of what I think Pope Francis is getting at is that um, burnout doesn't necessarily flow in everyone's life if they're burned out 
because of simply overworking. Mm. And that 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 would be a that would be one way I think to to go about it is just I never stop that from from morning through night, uh, everything I'm doing is in order to to succeed at work, um, and I rest so that I can work. But I actually think God wants us honestly to look at it differently. I work so that I can rest. Oh, I love that. And 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 why leisure. Is ultimately the mm. the greatest good contemplation, and so I, I work so that I can provide for my family, so that I can experience ultimately what what God wants on that seventh mm. that 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 figurative seventh day of creation. So all of creation and all of work was oriented to that that resting place, and so we're we we are built for for leisure and built for rest, um, not the other way around. And so most people, you know, relate to it in that way. That's awesome. Um, are you a fan of Josh Garrels? Have you heard of him? I know of, but okay. I, I can't he say He has this, fan. like, uh, line in one of his songs that says, our rest is a weapon against the oppression of man's obsession to control things. Yeah. Which is exactly what you're hitting at right there. I, I love that. Right. Yeah, please go on. Right. So, so if we, so part of what led me into reconsidering how I related to work is that I had that flip-flopped. I rested so that I could work more rather than knowing that the end goal, so for me, the end goal for so long was work, work, work. And there came a point where when I decided to go part-time that that started to really punch at that kind of supreme belief that, that work was most important. So what is that going to say about me if I only work part-time? Does that mean I'm a part-time person or that I'm, a, I'm half me? Well, no. Um, my goal, what, I, what, what the Lord showed me in, in giving me freedom to go part-time so as to care better for my family, the Lord said, your goal isn't to work 40 hours a week. What I needed to do is to provide for your family. And if I can do it, if you can do it through, you know, a half half time work, then you're you're meeting the goal, because the goal isn't to work full time per se. The goal is to provide for your family. So, the Lord started to decouple some of my the way in which I my identity was related to my work. So anyway, that's all to say. I think Francis, what he's doing with describing these ideas of of what leads to burnout is that people aren't just overworking but they're not relating to work in the right way. And so in this first instance, he says, some fall into it, call it burnout, because they throw themselves into unrealistic projects and are not satisfied simply to do what they reasonably can. And, I, and th- the way that I reflected on this was, um, do, do I ever overpromise and underdeliver? And I think... Um, when when I start to relate to myself at, as a limited, if if I see myself properly, I am one person. I have certain gifts. I have certain strengths. Certain weaknesses. There, I have certain other responsibilities around my life that I can't do everything. Um, and so, if I if I relate to myself properly and see myself as a part, not the whole, 
And if I see myself as a limited resource that has definite beginnings and ends, strengths and weaknesses, um, I'll be less prone to overpromise and underdeliver. I'll be I'll be more likely to say, you know, given my resources, given what's possible, given uh, the situation, I let's 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 shoot for you know some significant goals and and really aim to hit them. But let's also be realistic because I think what throws people into burnout is that I have to make it I have to make it happen, even if it means going at 100 miles an hour, you know, for, for multiple weeks or even months at a time, that they're throwing themselves into an unrealistic project. And I don't think that's the vision for, I don't think God would want me to, to relate to myself or to him uh, in, in ways for the sake of ministry that don't respect the reality of, of who I am and my, my, my gifts and my limitations. Hmm. So this whole like idea of over promising and under delivering, yeah. Like maybe, I think in my mind, I feel like uh, the over promising that can happen is at least at least how it works in my mind is that it can be a way to just kind of fish for what the Lord wants me to do. Meaning, I'll put out lots of lines, I'll cast out lots of um, things, and if I get any bites on it, meaning like I become passionate about it, then I'll follow that um i I'm, I'm just wondering i'm just reflecting on my own life like i think that there's many times when i do over promise and under deliver um but for me it seems like a way of uh just growing creatively um it's a creative outlet to just try different things and then when something kind of grabs hold of that like i feel passionate or or i'm getting some traction with it then i go down that um is is that a wrong way of thinking in, in your mind or how does that play yeah. into burnout? So, so what i would say is um my my uh you know the lord reminds us in the scriptures to to let our yes be yes and our no be no and so for me um a promise is is a declaration of yes or a declaration of no. I see what you're saying. And and so I I want to make sure. Um, I mean we we I think we do it all the time. I, the simple example would be in ministry. You know that idea of, you know, um, hey yeah uh, thanks for sharing that. I'll totally pray for you. You know making promises to pray for somebody is mm. uh, one example. Or hey let's let's grab coffee sometime without any real intention of of doing that. Of you know hey can you get you know that uh, proposal to me by this date. Um, just yeah, of course. You know, and so it's just it's it's sort of being mm. yes in all situations mm. without realizing no. You know what? Um, I honestly I don't know uh, when I'm going to be able to to pray for you. Let's let's just pray right now. I think that'd be the best thing we could do. Or you know what? Let me take a look at my my schedule. I'll get back to you hmm. when the when I'm able to deliver on that proposal. So it's just that willingness to go, you know, I can't do all things. Yeah. And and realize it's really helped to set some boundaries within my own life and help me to walk away from interactions with integrity. Yeah. Um and so I think that's that's why I really I really work hard on letting my yes be yes and my no be no, so that I don't overpromise. So, and, and as a people pleaser in ministry, I just am just one of my challenges is I also operate in ministry as a people pleaser. I I want 
you to think well of me on the other end, uh, which means I want to put as few barriers uh, and as as few obstacles, to, you know, to continuing, you know, those good thoughts you have of me. You know, I don't want to place those obstacles up there. So, do you think it's a, it's primarily, you know, our, our desire just to say yes to everything is is it primarily to keep face with how people might uh, see us? I think that's I think that's for those of us who are inclined to to people pleasing. Um, and to really being oriented more around what others think about me than than what might be possible <laughs> for me, um, and just being just being realistic. I mean, he talks about throwing ourselves into unrealistic projects. Well, that could that could hmm. sound like you're talking about big things, but I think just in general, it's no that that can I be realistic about whatever all of my interactions? Can I be? Can I? Uh, can there be integrity about every one of my interactions? And so the less integrity I have about what's possible and what's not um, will, lead, will lead to burnout. That's amazing. I, I just, even just the, something is so simple as somebody, you know, offering prayers to somebody, like, and then not actually having the intention or really the, you know, it's an unrealistic project because when are you going to sit down and recall that conversation? Um, that's really powerful. And I think for me, I'm going to try and implement that honesty, you know, like there's a fear behind the honesty of saying, you know, I don't yeah. know when I'll be able to get yeah. to that. And maybe you don't need to say yeah. it like that, but th- that's the truth of it. Yeah. Cause here's the main thing I've learned is that, um, and the most projects, uh, will consume as much time as you give it. Hmm. Uh, meaning, um, we, let, 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 let's say for, so, so I, one of the things I've started doing is that if I, in order to respect uh, my boundaries and in order to respect the limitations of time, uh, if I have a, a, a situation where um, I've, I've got a, somebody wants to meet with me and I know that if I'm, if I'm not careful, um, if if we have an hour and a half to to meet and to discuss, we we would end up perhaps using all of that. But I strategically put meetings like that up against other hard meetings so that we don't use an inordinate amount of time. And and sometimes and what I actually see is restraints, constraints actually create opportunities for creativity. Mm. And we actually do some of our best work under constraints. Yep. And so whereas that that goes against um, that goes against the some of the sense of um, you know I'm just going to do whatever it takes I'm going to I'm going to give as much as as need be but but I actually think it's better to to put constraints in which help to ensure margin in life and we can't live without margin and something as simple as just saying hey let's pray let me pray for you now yeah. is something a way to just begin to flex that muscle because it. Ultimately, it's virtue yes. that you're talking about. Something that has to become habitual, right. and it's probably an undoing of a habitual yes. Yes. That uh, yeah, I that's that's really powerful. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. Um, if we could move on to the second yeah, point, absolutely. that would be awesome. Yeah. Pope Francis says, "Others, because they lack the patience to allow processes to mature." They want everything to fall from heaven. How does that relate to burnout? <laughs> that that there is um, again, um, you know what? When what does it look like when a person is 
perpetually uh, impatient? Um, do we like to be around? I, well, one, I don't think we like to be around people who are, you know, always tapping their feet and and looking at their watch and and kind of expecting um, expecting things to happen in in the here in the now. And not only do we not like to experience that, I think, what is it like when we ourselves are in a perpetual state of impatience? That again, it doesn't it doesn't allow for the mystery. Uh, particularly in ministry, of how we sow the seeds, we water the seeds, but God provides the growth. And what we really are, what we really want to see, is the fruit, so that we can then reap, you know, that harvest. But there's that that mysterious nighttime, and, you know, and, and this is what we see in the scriptures. The growth happens in the dark. It happens at night. Mm. And so it's not something you can, you literally can't even watch it happen, and you can't make it happen. So there's this incredible interdependence that if we understand our role in ministry, it will necessarily mean that at the most crucial part of it all, it's out of our hands. And you could either allow that to, to drive you mad and, and keep you working <laughs> through the night, and even if yeah. you do, there's nothing you could still do about it. Mm. So I, I say, great, let me play the role that I can. What, what can I control? I will I will control those inputs that I can control. Yeah. And then I'm going then I ha- I literally have to let go because there's nothing I can do to provide the growth. That's the mis- the mystery of of how God and man cooperate for the sake of spiritual fruitfulness in other people's lives. I I love that uh scripture verse. I think it's I think it's 1 Corinthians 6 9 or one of them is. Mm-hmm. And it's basically Paul is uh uh sort of admonishing the Corinthians um say cuz they they're saying I belong to Paul and I belong to Apollos and they're having this contention and and he just brings up the point, listen, I planted and Apollos watered, but it's God who gave yes, the growth. So right. neither the planter nor the waterer is mm-hmm. anything but god is everything right um and i think there's so much freedom and it's beautiful that this is in scripture this this teaching on boundaries and on um not being burnt out there's freedom in that because yeah. you do what you can do that's right you know you if you're a sower just so right if you're a waterer water um right. and when you don't see the results right of sowing or watering that's not on you, right? That's on God, right? Um, and it's in His time, right? And it's when, and He He'll do it when you're unconscious at right. night, exactly. Uh, where's the night? Because I know so that's uh, in where, Matthew. That uh, I'm just it's the there's a, a parable that that Jesus is telling about about that. I don't have the the chapter and verse okay. in mind. Okay, it's in the but Gospels, but yeah, I'm gonna look that up because yeah. I love. I've been trying to find that specific yeah. part because I wanted to connect it to the uh, Corinthians one. But oh it's yeah, in that's somewhere. really really rich and and just a great principle, just one of the best yeah. principles in ministry. Because again, we we don't we 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 see approximate kind of growth, but but honestly, in all of our lives, it's a series of of three steps forward and two steps back. Yeah. And why is it? And and then what? 
So if that reality is playing out a hundred times simultaneously with the people you're working with, you, you know, you have to be able to play a long game. You have to be able to, in a sense, you know, close your eyes and and trust that on the other side, you know, God is the one that's that's and it's all it's all grace anyway. Yeah. And it's all cooperation, even in ourselves. It's not like I'm doing a natural thing, which is planting and watering. That's yeah. that's still grace working in me. Yeah. Um, and so all of it is grace. And and so when I see that, then I, I can I can in good conscience and and quite peacefully shut my laptop and, and go home for the night and love my family because the work's going to be there the next morning. And in fact, um, God's, God's doing the most important work while I'm you yeah. know, off hours. So <laughs> I love that. Did you want to um, move on to the next one? Let's do and it. So uh, Pope Francis says, others, because they are attached to a few projects or vain dreams of success... And this can be a cause of burnout for them. Yes, uh, this is the sense of like. Uh, sometimes people, well, th- there's this phrase, you know, this this program is my baby. Um, oh, yeah. that, that always rankles me when when people use a phrase like that. <laughs> um, and it just, I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, so what they're what they're really saying is, this project is something that comes from me. This is. This is the thing that I treasure as much as I would treasure my own child. That's just weird. It is weird, but but people talk like that, um, and so they're again, they're what they start to reveal is the mission. It's more about them than than the mission, hmm. and again, they start to self-identify with the successes, so-called, or failures, so-called. Uh, with their own success and with their own failure, uh, apart rather than being detached, that what the success, so-called successes and failures in ministry, say nothing of of them as as people, um, and start to to really identify um, identify with that. I learned early on in ministry uh, one of the things the Lord showed me in a, a time that was very much like a sabbatical. My wife and I took four months to go to a school of evangelization uh, in the summer of two, summer and fall of 2000 in New Zealand. We lived in community with um, like 15 other married couples and we went through this formation process. And I was so excited. I, I love to, to stand up in front of groups and give talks. And I thought, you know, this school of evangelization, it's three months of formation, it's one month of mission. And ah, I just can't imagine, boy, there's going to be the cr- crowds of people that you know will hear these talks that I'll give, and I can't wait to give my testimony and, and preach here and share there. Um, and wouldn't you know, it just so happened, and just the way that things were structured, that I had one opportunity to give a talk one talk, I, and I could still see the outline in my head. But like things go, things got late and things got pushed back, and it was the last talk of the day, and they had to cut it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, wow, that's a gut check. I, I mean, I had gone halfway <laughs> around the world to to share all that I knew and all that I wanted to share. And it was so much more about me. 
hmm. uh, than I was willing to real willing to admit. And and where I, how I realized that was in a morning of of prayer. Um, so somebody had asked me the night before, you know, Ryan, where where do you find your identity? And I said, I'm going to take that to prayer, and I'm going to I'm going to pray about that. And um, I realized that I was finding my identity in in ministry. And I, I, I was able to parse that out because I couldn't wait to tell somebody what I did. Hmm. And it was a sense of, of where do we find our identity? What are, and I would answer it this way, what are we most eager to tell others about ourselves? Can we just pause the podcast for yep. like an hour so people can reflect on that? <laughs> right. But think about it. You know, what are you most eager to tell others about yourself? Wow. It starts to point you in the direction of where you're finding your identity. I literally could not wait for somebody to go, all right, Ryan, what, what do you do for work? And I'm, oh my gosh. Step back. <laughs> Let me tell you, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm in ministry. I'm a Catholic campus minister, and and I'm just waiting for the the applause, and you know, just that sense. Oh wow, that's cool. You know, just it, and it would always happen. So what I started to learn was I would share this. I didn't know this early on, but I would share this with people, and people would always be like, "Whoa, cool!" or "Awesome!" or "Wow!" You know, and it was this, and I started to realize, wow, you know. People really like that, and and I would start to go. People really like me, and you know, um, there must be something great about me. And so, the the Lord, right in that moment, um, challenged me out of that and said, "What I want you, because what your identity is, isn't in ministry. That you are first and foremost, and forever, and most really a son of God." That 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 is what is most true and most real. Mm, preach it about me, and that ought to be the the thing that you are most eager to share with oh other gosh. people. And then I realized, well, gosh, I'm I'm actually not eager <laughs> to share that at all with somebody. And so the Lord really kind of freed me from seeing ministry as my identity, mm. and so. Um, that's a long way of answering this question of how people get attached to a few projects. And in this case, I would just say they get attached to the work that its successes and its failures speak to their personal successes and their personal failures. And those are not equivalent. Mm. And when we think of them as equivalent, it leads to burnout. And I love that line in your um, article where you say, it's like doing the heavy lifting with your back, which I'm a big candidate for both <laughs> actually and <laughs> um, uh, metaphorically, and not your legs, Yeah, the strength that God provides. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah, talk about that. Let's... Yeah, and so it's, I mean, if you've ever, if you've ever made the mistake of, of lifting something heavy with your back, you will be pretty quick not to do that again, you learn pretty quick that that's in the natural. We we don't keep paying that same price. Yeah, but there's something in I think in ministry, um, and I think this has a lot to do with: Am I relating to God in the right way mm -hmm. when I'm working? If I'm if I'm relating to God as Father, um, and I'm a part of His story um, rather than he's just one part of my story and let me be the star when when the story is all about god 
Um, and he is the one who provides grace um, that that is supernatural and that we can't earn, but that we are completely dependent on. Mm-hmm. It starts to to shift how we are relating to uh, to work. And again, it'll it gives us permission to do our part and then to go home at night um, and and to to honestly uh, to not let it then inform. All of, now, I'm married. Uh, to not let it inform every conversation I have with my wife in the evenings and the weekends. We, we actually don't talk about it a whole lot. Now, we have a lot of stuff going on in our family life that we do talk about. But um, it's, it's not the number one subject. And I think it's healthy uh, for, for people to, to, to realize that... Well, then it brings up the whole other question of... Of vacation. I mean, I think youth ministers and people in lay ministry are the ones that, at the end of the the fiscal year, uh, they lose you know <laughs> tons of vacation time, and yeah. that that's that was when I started to realize too that I was losing more than I was using. Um, that something was wrong in how I was relating to mm-hmm. my work. I wasn't able to you know to put it down. Well, that's yeah. I think that's really important. You, when we when we discussed this uh, before we recorded, you talked about that work life balance as yeah. being really important. Yep. Um, and something that I just observed coming to America that's different to Europe mm-hmm. is that there is this very strong sense of productivity and mm-hmm. efficiency and work, 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 twenty four hours around the clock. You guys don't even have tea time. No. We have tea time twice <laughs> yeah. a day built into our school schedules for twenty minutes in the morning around eleven for elevenses, which is a real thing, and at four o'clock in the afternoon for another twenty minutes to just stop and have a cup of tea, which even just the culture of tea is not to fuel you to keep going. Right. It's to stop and right. talk about the things that are yep. important in life. Yeah. Right. So I I haven't experienced work outside of America. Uh, so I, I, I understand that paradigm you're describing. And I would say that fits more of a biblical paradigm than than this American poison that we've been... I love America, you know. by the way. Just America's great. <laughs> America's great. America's great. But, but, but it, it overvalues certain things and undervalues yeah. others. And I think uh, we get real... And so 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 then, then what I think a lot of times now people have gone to, they go, okay, I know overworking doesn't work. And there are all these other aspects of their life that are struggling. Hmm. They don't have any friends. They don't have a relationship with their children. Um, they're they're spending money in, in in lieu of that time that you know. So they're doing these big expensive vacations, and they're you know so so financially and relationally and uh, you know mar- in, a, in terms of marriage, you know things are just out of whack uh, at the service of what you know. And so so then people start to step back and go, you know, I, I just want more balance, you know, work work life and and I, I actually think that gives too much value to work as though we're, work we do spend an inordinate amount of time at work but does that also mean that it's as important as the, all of the rest of your life yeah and so that's why I think it's I, I like to think about work in the midst of life rather than work versus life. 
Hmm. And because I think it 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 doesn't say the right things about about work primarily, as though it's it's equal to and should be in balance with every other thing. It, it's it's an important thing because we have we have to work a certain typically a certain number of hours you know to to earn a living, um, but that doesn't that doesn't mean that it is as important as every other aspect of your life and and there really isn't a way to 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 for everything in life to be given um, you know this for things to balance perfectly because even through certain seasons. Um, we might actually work work more so that in other seasons we can work significantly yes. less. And so every day, every week, I, I think balance isn't always helpful. But for me going, you know, I want to think of my life as a garden and work is one significant plant in that garden and it needs to be cultivated and and cared for just like all the other important aspects of my life. Of which actually I'm working for the sake of, because again, if 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 rest is not for the sake of work, but work is for the sake of rest, that means my work is really for the sake of everything else. That's amazing. So so that's why I think it's helpful to look at it in terms of a garden, and to go, you know, how do I relate to my work in the right way, so that and so that I can also cultivate these other aspects of my life. One of the things I really lamented was that when I would get home, I had zero creative energy left to serve my wife and to love my, my sons. I spent my absolute, you know, most, my best mind time, my best creativity, my best energy on my work. And I didn't have even an ounce of that oftentimes left over. So I, I want to see more creativity, like I would give at work, you know, play out in these other aspects of my life too. And that's part of part of something I would be, you know, shooting for. Yeah, that's super interesting. And 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 maybe it's a, you know, kind of going back to the Darren Brown video, maybe yeah. that, that we've just kind of adopted this way of being that is is false and it's at odds with the truth of reality that you know our work should lead to rest right um and what i find even more interesting is that um this isn't just a christian like problem mm -hmm. i follow a guy online called mr money mustache okay and he has this blog and he retired at the age of 32 yeah but part of it was because he got that there was more to life than running you know using the secular term the rat race yeah um and life was actually about family and being with those who you love and serving the community. Right. So there is, I think there's an innate tension within us, whether you're Christian or not, that something's not right with how we view work. Um, and I think, as you pointed out, and Pope Francis pointed out, that um, when we become obsessed with work, it just leads to a place of brokenness, like the human person cannot run on pure work man right. can not live on bread alone man cannot live on just working alone like right. there is there's other things there that are probably of greater value that we're missing out on and that even applies to ministry which i feel guilty because saint paul says woe to me if i do not preach the gospel which like that word might might just like come back in my mind as no i need to keep going and there are sacrifices that need to be made for the sake of the gospel right. but i've missed the point Right. 
it's right. This is great stuff, right? No, a- a- absolutely. And that's those are the the paradigm shifts that had to happen in my own life. And when I hit that rock bottom, um, I went to the doctor for the first time <laughs> in five years, and I started exercising on a daily basis, and. I reoriented how I was relating to my prayer life. I reoriented how I was relating to work because I only, when you're when I'm in when you're in full time ministry and you're on salary, is it forty hours a week? No, it's get the job done, you know. But if you're working twenty hours a week, that that shouldn't that shouldn't bleed into forty hours. So I had to I had to start saying no, hmm. and because I had again constraints not being unhelpful, but rather very helpful, uh, helped me to relate to my work, to go in, to focus, to be productive, to start to think about not just um, what what needs to be done, but what is the, the best thing I can do, and how can I get others involved as well. So all those constraints... Um, you know, were actually fruitful and and freeing rather than than limiting. Yeah. Wow. Well, we've still got two more points yeah. to uh, cover, so let's 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 move on. Um, Pope Francis says others burn out because they have lost real contact with people and so depersonalize their work that they are more concerned with the roadmap than with the journey itself. That's right, and I think this is like. You know, putting the process process before people, um, and I think we we can. Some of us are are really gifted in terms of process and systems and efficiency. You know, that's actually part of my temperament is to is to actually think about it that way, and I can actually. Um, feel like I'm the Wizard of Oz, you know, <laughs> kind of like back in, you know, this office behind my computer making all of these things happen. Mm-hmm. And so that's another sort of distortion mm-hmm. of what ministry is. Yeah, you need processes. Yeah, mm-hmm. you need systems. But those aren't ends unto themselves. They're means. And what really matters, what are ends, are people. And so how, how can I always say I need to put people before processes and know that if, if there's a person in front of me, I really want to value them because it's about them. Um, it's like, it's like the, we would never, we'd never say I want to spend more time with this screwdriver than I want to spend with my, my son. Hmm. You know, it's, it, it's a tool. It's, it's just something to get the job done. But we start to really grow attached and affectionate to these big systems. Now, we've created not just a simple screwdriver, but this whole collection of tools, and I'm this kind of grand you know, uh, orchestrator. And that's, that's actually, I think, depersonalizing the, the whole thing. And so I think for anyone in ministry, um, especially as they go higher up in responsibility, needs to find ways to even though that might be the heart of what they're doing, they need to find ways to still plug into the people that are being impacted and stay connected to uh, the person-to-person reality that is 
the the basis and the foundation of ministry. And that always helped to kind of keep me grounded and to remembering what it's all, you know, really about. Well, that's great. Thank you. Let's move on to the last one. Yeah. Um, Pope Francis, again, speaking about burnout, says, others fall into acedia because they are unable to wait. They want to dominate the rhythm of life. Yeah, and I think this goes back to kind of that patience question again. I think we're, we tend to be prone towards control and, you know, forcing things to happen um, and not being satisfied unless things are are perfect. And so there's this sort of hyper-perfectionism, you know, that can creep in. And what's interesting about all of these things, they they... They often do lead to overwork, but they start with misunderstanding how to relate to work in kind of in God's vineyard in the first place. And so it, it, we misunderstand God, we misunderstand God's vineyard, we misunderstand who we are. And so I think there's a real, um, uh, you know, there's a real kind of approach to ministry that. Um, is missing in a lot of what people, well, what a lot of people need before they begin full-time ministry is to is to learn what's true about ministry and to learn some of these approaches and principles. These were not principles I was taught, you know, early yeah, on, yeah. and I'm not blaming anybody for that. I had to learn the hard way, but man, it would have saved me so much time and energy if somebody would have walked me through even this list. Even this list, what a fruitful conversation with a youth minister to go, let's talk about each each of these areas and how you might be prone to misunderstand God's vineyard, misunderstand God, misunderstand yourself and your role in it all. And what I what I ultimately would want to see is, is people um, take some short-term hits for long-term gain. And one of the principles I would always have is that um, even under a deadline, um, if somebody needs to take a break, I would rather let them take a break, get the rest that they need for the sake of the long haul than even this short-term gain. Things always have a way of working themselves out. And more often than not, um, I just had this experience yesterday where I sat down with my supervisor and I said, you know, um, just to make it simple, there are a hundred things that need to get done over the next three or four months. Um, I think I can do 75 of them. Will you help me figure out what we can do with these other 25, let's say? And you know, in, in just three short hours, we had that all sorted out. And that's gonna, that, that's, that was, that, just that simple conversation was, is gonna be a game changer for me for the next few months. And it also gives others an opportunity to step into something I might have unnecessarily held on to and then not done you know, very well with. So it would have been bad for the ministry, bad for me, and not as good for this other person. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, I'd like to get uh, just one last thing in yep. here, because we've been talking a lot about burnout in the context of ministry, yep. Yep. but I recognize that not everybody listening is active in ministry. In fact, people might be listening to this on their way to work, where yeah. they're working crazy shifts, yep. um, or they're working so much that um, the life of faith doesn't necessarily get to just um, bloom in their life, mm -hmm. like it might with somebody who's active in ministry. Um, and they might be feeling, you know, 
unhealthy physically, mm-hmm. spiritually, and mentally, and burnt out from work without really much that they can do about it because, well, they have to do this nursing course or this medical thing or whatever it is that they're doing. Yep. And it's a season of their life where burnout is just part and parcel yep. of what they've chosen, yep. you know, or, or even where the Lord is calling them. Yep. So what kind of tips and advice yep. do you have for them to mm-hmm. sort of stay afloat? I would say I, just to keep it simple, I would say one thing, uh, and, and it's what I would call maybe the, the principle of the oxygen mask, you know, when you're on the airplane I don't know if you experienced this, Dan, but as I first started hearing, you know, that spiel at the beginning, <laughs> you know, the, uh, you know, in case we experience a, a change in, you know, pressure in the cabin, these ox- oxygen masks are going to fall down. And if you have a, a child with you, make sure that you put your oxygen mask on first before you help them. Yeah. And I always had this like, are you serious? Like, that seems that seems pretty crazy. Like my my intuition or my, like my my instinct would be, as a dad, to take care of my kids first. Now I hope that would generally be my instinct, but I, whenever I would hear that, I would go, "That just seems crazy." But what's the principle there? You know, you until you're in a good place, you can't help anybody else be in a good place. And so for me, that has been the principle that I've used is that um, I have responsibility for my own emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. It's nobody else's job to take care of that than me, other than me. And if I don't, others, for a variety of reasons, uh, could unwittingly take advantage of that. Um, and so my, my deal is I'm going to take care of myself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I have kind of a game plan, you know, for each of these. The the physical piece is is to I exercise every day. I just have made a commitment that just like I pray every day, I take care of my soul, I want to take care of my body. So there's two major commitments I make on a daily basis is to exercise and to pray. And then emotionally, um, I cultivate my own emotional well-being through my relationship with my wife and a relationship with a with a men's group and a community of men where I can I can experience the the freedom the the perspective that comes from getting getting people around me on a regular basis to keep me healthy uh, relationally and emotionally um, and then also if if I need and I've gone through seasons multiple seasons of, of working with counselors who have had to help me you know professionally actually gain some perspective about myself and my own spirit so so it's that principle of the oxygen mask because nobody else is going to make sure your boss isn't going to make sure their job is to get the job done but your job is to take care of yourself so you can get the job done mm-hmm. and that that would be probably the number one thing if I was to summarize um, what I've learned over the last few years and it requires um, in, intention and and commitment and boundaries so that those things happen. And I, those are sacred. The exercise and the prayer are sacred commitments I've made to myself, to my wife, to my employer, to the world, <laughs> so that I can operate well in this world. I got to do these, at least these two things every day. Great. Thanks so much for uh, being on our show today. Yeah, you bet, um, Dan. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Um, 
where can people contact you if they have questions or if they want to see any of the other stuff that yeah, you so have produced? Yeah, I've got a, a website that um, I've got some blog posts about some of these sorts of things, uh, as well as uh, a link to a, a speaking page, which I do some speaking uh, in parishes and other Catholic organizations. Uh, but my my website is ryanohara.org, R-Y-A-N-O-H-A-R-A.org. Great. That's awesome. Um, and... We're really interested in hearing um, about your experience of burnout. So if there was anything in this podcast that kind of uh, grabbed your attention, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it, which you can send us an email to podcast at netusa.org. Otherwise, we will see you in the future. God bless. Welcome to the part of the podcast that Dan and I recommend something to all the listeners. Welcome back, people. Dan, do you want to go first? Sure. I'm going to recommend something weird. I'm going to recommend you find online or buy yourself a copy because it's available online for free or you can get a copy, a hard copy of something called the Dear Tesseron. The Dear Tesseron? Dia Tesseron. Dear Tesseron. D-I-A-T-E-S-S-A-R-O-N. What does that mean, Dan? Um, I don't know what it means, but what it is, is back in the day, like we're talking like the third century, this dude called Ephraim, St. Ephraim, he took all four Gospels and he put, he like spliced them together so that it would read as one chronological narrative story. So you have a little bit of John to begin with, in the beginning was the Word, and then it jumps into... The birth of John the Baptist, the birth of Jesus, and it just takes you through in a chronological way, all of the Gospels mixed together. It's really cool, and it's really, like, prayerful, um, and it was used in the church, in the Arabic church, for, like, centuries before the church said, you should have the four Gospels separate to this as well. But I recommend you, like, find it and pray through it, because for me, it's been amazing. Well, that's really good. I'm glad, Dan, that you mentioned something that could feed people spiritually. <laughs> I uh, I want to recommend something that could nourish people uh, regularly. <laughs> Spiritual is regular, um, dude. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to mention, uh, okay, here's the thing. Uh, y- you've seen LaCroix everywhere. Mm. Everybody loves it, right? No. Right? You don't love it. No, I don't love it. It's okay. It's okay, yeah. Well, look, look, the first, like, 15 times you drink a LaCroix, it's pretty not great, right? There's lots of memes. In fact, if you just want to Google LaCroix memes, uh, you'll have a great hour of your life. I also, I, I, I have grown to like LaCroix. Uh, I also love energy drinks, but, you know, some of them taste funny or they have a lot of calories. Uh, yeah. So here's what I do. This is my energy drink hack mashup. Whoa. I pour a bottle of five-hour energy that's really small into LaCroix. It makes the LaCroix taste amazing, and it's still like five calories, which is super fun. That's awesome. I should I should make up a name for it. Well, you should have brought them here so we could try them together, and you could have a taste that's testing, true. and then I could see if I can speak it a million miles an hour after drinking it. Yeah, and you know what? Actually, that kind of leads into something... Uh, 
it would be fun to bring that in and have people see it uh, because in the future, our podcasts are all going to be video, right, Dan? That's right. Yeah, we, we have some recorded from WAPO already, so you'll see those at some point. And then we're going to have other podcasts just filmed live in-house. Yeah, we're really excited. So all the podcast will continue to be audio. It will also be video, and you can decide to watch our podcast with all of your family and friends <laughs> <laughs> or still listen to it whenever you do whatever you do while you listen to podcasts. The choice is yours. Well, great. Well, thanks so much for listening to our podcast today. Uh, if you like the podcast, and we hope that you do, we'd love to have you leave us a five-star review uh, in Apple Podcasts. It would be great for us in helping other people to find our podcast and so we'd also love to hear any feedback you might have. So we have an email address, podcast at netusa.org. We'd love to have you reach out. Let us know what kinds of things you'd like to hear or see on the show going forward. And share it with a friend as well who might benefit from this content. All right, great. Thanks again so much for joining us. We will see you next time.